0: Welcome to the HOOP Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday evening. Joining us from the Barclays Center, where he's just seen preseason game with the Brooklyn Nets, is Tim Bontemps.
1: Hello, guys.
0: Joining us from Dallas, Texas, where he watched the Houston Rockets play on TV tonight, is Ben McMahon.
2: Howdy, partners. That's news to me. I was actually mainly invested in some uh, Taylor Swift show, also known as a football game, but. Let's continue. Was we'll Taylor Swift at the football <laughs> Sounds- game today? Oh, yeah. right. Man, our man's tearing it up.
0: <laughs> I just saw it was 16-0 last I looked. Another great Thursday night uh, affair. Bontemps, you went to see uh, Ben Simmons play tonight for the first time in... When was the last time he played?
1: Sometime during the latter part of last season. I think he missed the final couple months of the season? Right, I, should, I, look, I, I want, should look that so up. I would I say February.
0: Chance. I'll look it up um, while you're talking. Yeah, so he... He played his first uh, game uh, earlier this week um, in Las Vegas against the Lakers and had some moments in that game. Had a hook shot over LeBron for a guy still dealing with back injury, etc. Moved okay. I know LeBron like hugged him and embraced him before the game. And I was watching and he would go way under the screens, like almost exaggeratedly under the screens when he was on him. Maybe I'm just extrapolating there. I, you know, I don't know how LeBron was doing it, but it almost looked like he was like, "All right, Ben, let's see." But it was a positive first step. Um, what did you think of? Uh, well, first off, th- this was a, there was more than just uh, basketball going on there tonight. if You could touch on that, and then also uh, what you saw from Ben Simmons in person.
1: Yeah. So obviously, there's uh, a lot of terrible stuff going on in Israel at the moment, and uh, Maccabi Rehovot is over here playing the beginning of a three-game uh tour in the u.s they're going to play uh the Cavs on monday and they're going to play the wolves on tuesday but they got here last wednesday before everything started to take place with hamas attacking israel over the weekend and they had to decide whether they were going to play these games or not or go home and the coach of the team his friend retired from the army after 23 years in the army last month re-enlisted this weekend and then died on tuesday The funeral was Thursday morning. Coach was obviously coaching the game Thursday night. So the guys all here were certainly not exactly focused on playing a game in Brooklyn against the Nets. After the game they did, they were, I think, happy to have something to think about for a couple of hours. One of the older players on the team, Jonathan Moore, is a power forward. He was the one Israeli guy who'd played in an NBA arena before this on a prior tour over here and said this morning or the last time when they came, he walked in here and thought it was the coolest thing ever to be in an NBA arena. It's nothing like obviously what they have in Israel. And this morning when they came for shoot around, nobody reacted at all because obviously they were thinking about other stuff. But during the game, he said guys were smiling a little bit and sort of thinking about something else for a little while, which both he and the coach you know, said that they appreciated and were able to think about something else for a minute. So obviously... You know, there was a moment of silence for the game. Obviously, there's a ton of there's a very large Jewish population in New York. There were a lot of Israeli flags in the stands, pretty lively atmosphere. Um, there's
0: a bunch of uh, former NBA players on this roster.
1: Well, yeah, you know, let's talk about that for just a second. It was pretty strange. So normally you guys have been to a bunch of these kind of games before, like teams show up, they play, they go around. This this uh Maccabi Radana added like seven players in the last couple of days, they added a, an overtime elite kid um, guy who's a prospect for next year's draft. They added Dwayne Bacon and Quindary Weatherspoon, guys who were sort of bounced around to play in these games. So they, they, it was sort Isn't of strange Bruno Caboclo on the team. I, Bruno is on the team. I don't know if he, I, th- I thought he was on the team before this, but maybe not. It just, it was very odd how there just all of a sudden were several, there were several NBA guys or NBA p- possible guys on the team. I don't, Honestly, there was too much other stuff going on today for, to really find out what right, uh, right, right. was going on, nor did it really matter. But it was sort of interesting that there were all these NBA guys out there, at least to start the game. By the um, way, did you
0: tell me what did you tell me about Keontae George?
1: Oh, his father, uh, Jason Siggers, also plays for uh, Maccabi Renana, which I found out really? in the middle of the game. So this, so yes. this is
0: okay. So, like Keontae hold
1: George, on here. for people who don't know, was drafted by the Jazz this spring. And was a revelation at Summer League uh, for the Jazz, also.
2: Wow, his dad's 38 years old, still from, from Dallas, Texas. Okay. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Somebody
0: could wiggle in front of LeBron and Bronny here. This is mm. on the table.
2: Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo,
0: hoo. I, I mean,
2: hey, I King, mean, McClure, did not... King McClure gave us a scout report on his pops when he was on the pod with you. It's true. I said he was playing pickup. That's funny. They don't invite me to those pickup games. I'm a doubt well. It. Here's
0: the thing. I did not know his father was still playing professional basketball. King just King just threw that in there. Yeah. Like he did. He gives this glowing review of Keontae George who was, you know, at Baylor and, you know, he's lost a bunch of weight, had a great summer league,
1: et cetera. Mm-hmm.
0: And he's like, yeah, pops is great, but he doesn't mention pops still playing professional basketball. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was not something I realized mask. until it was not something I realized until after pregame. Jerome uh, Wiseman from Fox Sports uh, told me as we were getting ready for the game to start. So, do I have permission to
0: tell a story from two
2: thousand and five? You sure? I guess. Yeah, <laughs> right, go ahead,
0: <laughs> Jackson. Do I have permission? to a story from two thousand and five.
2: Jackson was even alive in two thousand five. Yeah. <laughs> I know let's, he was probably just. Let's just, he let's just hear four. the story. Let's hear oh, the story. Wow.
0: So, Maccabi Tel Aviv, this is a different t- team, but sort of the powerhouse from Israel, was on an American tour and they won in Toronto. They beat the Toronto Raptors. Okay. And this was a little bit of a different era where players actually played. It wasn't like the players in the preseason played in 42 minutes, but like, I mean, I have to go back and find the box score, but it was like, it was not like a game where they were playing their G League team. There was no G League. And, Maccabi just flat out beat him and it was embarrassing. And I don't remember there was like some long streak of how long it had been since a non NBA team had beaten an NBA team. Okay. So while on that tour, Maccabi played in Cleveland and it was the first night of a back to back Cleveland played Maccabi at home. And then the following day was playing in Rochester, New York, war Memorial Coliseum against the rock. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Cavs, and particularly Dan Gilbert, the owner, I think, did not want to lose to Maccabi. All right, <laughs> and because for a couple of days there, the Raptors had a, you know a modicum of egg on their face. I'm not saying it was leading Sports Center, but it was it was more of a thing. Yeah, people uh, notice
1: when that happens for sure.
0: Right, they definitely were a little embarrassed. Okay, and so the uh, the Cavs kind of played to win, and Maccabi didn't. Like come close, but like it was a game in the second half. I remember off the top of my head. Okay, Mm -hmm. the point is like LeBron played like thirty some minutes. (laughs) So the next night in Rochester, this could have been two thousand six. If you're googling it, I mean my my, I don't pretend to say this is exactly everything went here, but I do know they played Maccabi the night before and they played in Rochester. I can fairly certainly say LeBron's only ever career visit to Rochester and certainly only time for a basketball game. Well, (laughs) as you can imagine. They've been promoting this game for months in Rochester. Come see LeBron James play. And the Cavs decided LeBron was not going to play in a back-to-back in Rochester on this (laughs) rock-hard, probably 50-year-old court. I don't know how old it was. It was 2006,
1: by the way. I looked it up. 2006.
0: They were not going to play on this non-NBA venue uh, on a back to second I have a back-to-back. So they decided with no warning, this would be in... Severe violation of the player participation policy to 2023 that LeBron was not going to play. Well, as you can imagine, the fine fans of Rochester were not happy <laughs> about this. And with all due respect to Jorge Garbajosa, who I think oh, was starring, starring for the Raptors that night.
2: He's gotten a lot of play um, on the collective lately. He sure has. Uh,
0: <laughs> the natives were restless in Rochester And then LeBron tried to have a little bit of fun, and it ended up backfiring.
2: Uh So
0: everybody sort of figured out. Again, this was pre-Twitter. There wasn't, like, announcement over the PA LeBron wasn't playing. You know, like, we knew, but it wasn't announced. And so the fans kind of had to figure it out organically. But that by the time LeBron didn't play in, like, the second quarter, he wasn't playing. And then he might have warmed up for the second half, but he didn't play throughout the second half. And then they knew he wasn't playing. And the mood turned in Rochester War Memorial Coliseum. And LeBron decided to have a little bit of fun. And, I, and in my mind, it was like midway through the third quarter, but it could have been in the fourth. And at one point, he, he was in his uniform. And he got up and pretended like he was going to run to the scorer's table, like took like three steps, and then turned around having a joke. Nobody thought it was funny, okay? And oh. I elected to make a quick departure from that arena that night um (laughs) nothing happened but it was one of those situations where you know not good and because i i i you know and maybe i think mike brown was a coach then maybe he would testify that they would always plan on. but i mean lebron played back-to-backs back then but i honestly think it was because they didn't want to lose to maccabi tel aviv so they overplayed him to guarantee that win and then he didn't play in rochester so that's it, my. I might have
1: time. been I might have been at the last game that a European team won over here, uh, which was at this arena uh, eight years ago when Fenerbahce beat Brooklyn, led by a uh, pod friend and finals guest, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, scored seventeen points won that game. We're actually talking about it a couple of the people here before the game today. Um, Serbian
0: silver medalist. All right. right. Anyway, Ben Simmons, McMahon, I mean, yeah, uh, the temp, sorry. so
1: obviously there was a lot of other emotions and stuff going on here today besides the Nets and Maccabi Renana playing. But Ben Simmons did play again, had a decent line, finished with six points, six rebounds, nine assists and a steal in 22 minutes. And look, I think obviously I'll be much more curious to see what he looks like on Monday against Philly here in Brooklyn. Maybe James Harden will play. That would certainly be fun if we see Who's James that? Harden against Ben Simmons. <laughs> uh, but even if it's just Ben Simmons against Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, that would be pretty interesting. And, you know, I, I think given where Ben has been the past couple of years, I think seeing him on the court playing, making some plays is a pretty good, tangible step forward for him. I I'm not going to sit here and say that We're going to see all-star level Ben Simmons return. But if he can run the offense for these guys and set up some threes and get into the paint and make some defensive plays, that's a big step forward from playing 42 games and being a complete non-factor, which he was last year. So between the Laker game and today, I think, you know, I don't know if Ben's going to quite live up to the talk Mm -hmm. he had this summer with Mark Spears and getting back to being an all-star and that kind of stuff. But, he looks like an NBA player again, which, you know, I was not sure we were going
2: to see, and I was glad to see. Yeah, and I, I actually watched a little bit of this just because I wanted to check out Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, he made plays. Like, he had nine assists, and I, I was watching the second quarter when he had three or four assists and a little stretch there. And I uh, hit he actually hit a little nice little one-leger, kind of a turnaround fadeaway. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, and. Again, it's it, you're looking at him against a non nBA team, and obviously very small sample size I just he doesn't look like the same athlete. like there are a couple of times where he got the ball and he was pushing it. And when Ben Simmons was that dude, I mean him pushing the ball in transition was a sight to behold. And it's just it's it it, it you know, maybe he just didn't get into that gear. I would suspect he doesn't have that gear anymore. Um, you know, I, defensively, obviously, uh, his athleticism was what, one of the things that really made him special that I just, I don't think he's ever going to be the same athletically. Um, can he be a functional NBA player? Sure. Can he be a guy who is worth getting excited about? I'm not so certain about that. Um, I don't think he's going to be a guy who this year is going to have any kind of impact on, you know, the, the Eastern conference race. I'll put it to you like that. Um, I just, I, you know, he would have to be back to being an all-star caliber player for the Nets to, to be any kind of a real threat. I just think that's probably not realistic.
0: Well, in all honesty, I think if you're the Nets, what you're hoping for, they'd never say this is that he rebuilds the value to the point that he can be traded at least as an expiring contract next year. He's got this year and next and that's not going to be decided now, but if the nets were able to trade him and, you know, in a non salary dump situation, I think that would be a plus for this moment. Now I'm not saying that they won't have high hopes. I'm not saying that Mm. Ben's personal stated goals, which, you know, I can't rule out, but like for him to become a player that another team would say, all right, we'll take him in that salary. That would be beneficial to the Nets at this point. They have assets that they got from the hardened trade. And right now, he is, is it fair to say he's on the liability? He's on the liability. Oh, God. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. He's definitely, I mean, look. Well, I don't want to
1: be mean, but he's, it's, I mean, it's not being mean. He's, he's owed $75 million the next year, and he basically hasn't played in two seasons. I I mean, so yeah. And he's coming off back surgery.
2: There are a lot worse things to be in life than a seventy-five million dollar <laughs> life. You know that doesn't like such a bad deal. Yeah, and, and look, like again, we've seen a
1: couple of preseason games. Let's see where he looks in a couple months. Maybe he'll continue to gain some athleticism back and start to look better as he stays if he's able to stay out there and play for an extended period of time. We haven't seen him play for an extended period of time in two and a half years. Let's see if he can if he can just be out there and serve as the team's point guard. And again. Be able to play 25 minutes a night and consistently play and be a productive, functional NBA player, that's a significant step forward. And to your point, Brian, if the Nets get to next summer and they start chasing after some of the some big name players and they can use him as a salary in the deal that the team would get back and be able to use in some form instead of just empty money. Yeah, I think that alone is a win. And if he's anything beyond that, then it's a very big win for them.
2: I think man. he's gonna. I I just think with that salary, I don't know that his performance is gonna alter his um his value in the trade market. Right? Like like you're saying, I th- I think his value in the trade market will be next year. He will be an expiring salary, an expiring contract. Um, because like it's just not realistic to think that he's going to play to that dollar figure. And uh, now, no. What it you know, for him, what is realistic, hopefully, is that he can play well enough to where he can have a, a solid NBA career or you know, even a good NBA career for several years after this contract. And, like, listen, could he become a guy who's you know, more than a mid level player, something like that? Like, sure, I mean, he's still. Six ten, you know, can handle the ball. Has like you, the vision. You know, he made some really nice passes tonight. You know, shooting the ball out to the corners, three point shooters. There's pretty bad defense, but hit a guy, <laughs> hit a guy on a backdoor cut. I mean, he made some nice plays. I, I, but again, I just think the, the value will be the expired salary at some point. More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: Com. sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package if only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast the truth is all the lift big get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you wanna be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10 minute low impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30 minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. All right. Well, speaking of guys with huge salaries who are just um, coming back from long absences, Zion Williamson played his second preseason game tonight. Houston, I didn't see any of this game. Houston walloped the Pelicans. We have a big breaking news from this game: is that Dylan Brooks finished the game. (laughs) (laughs) Twenty-two minutes, he was he was not ejected. I don't, I haven't seen the box score to see if he got tech, he got a t up, but he was not ejected from the Um, game.
2: Hey, he he was fined twenty-five grand today, and that got me thinking: that eighty-six mil he's guaranteed. I wonder how much of that's going to go to charitable efforts. Uh, I remember
0: Rasheed Wallace used to say that he would set aside a sum of money at the start of the season that he would, you know, that he would get fined, uh, you know, and then at the end of the year, if there was money left over, he would throw a party or something. It was like, it was like found money. He, he had already decided at the start of the season, he budgeted and maybe Dylan should consider that because it, it sort of will change your, your thought process around the money going away. If you've already budgeted to lose it,
1: I,
2: I will could say, just not get thrown out all the time. It's unfair. It's all because he's been portrayed as Dylan, the villain and the rest just assume that his frequent cup checks are intentional. I mean, it, it's just an accident that he happens to lead the league and, and go to contusions provided. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I did. I I loved e. him <laughs> who basically said, yeah, he thought Tyce flopped on the other end. So, you know, the game a little something and like, you know, I don't have the exact quote of run, but he may basically said, like, dude, he's got to chill with that.
0: Well, I will say this. I think that the Rockets in that game the other night, which was Pacers Rockets, yeah. um, the Rockets are getting what they're paying for. They got this. This is who Dylan Brooks is. Okay. And Ime Doka called them out after the game. That's who yeah. Ime is. They're mm. getting the guys that they... But <laughs> first off, I wish I knew. I I haven't done the research. You know, Tice and um, Dylan played each other twice this summer. Uh, the Germany and Canada had two games over the summer that were hotly contested. And I wonder if...
2: Yeah, I wonder, I wonder that too. I don't A know. A little residue from the uh, international competition, perhaps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But re- residue Dylan usually doesn't way,
2: need an
1: excuse. So
0: by the way, a um, couple of comments, uh, international players. I'm in, uh, I'm in Cleveland area uh, right now for the weekend and uh, Franz Wagner tonight, Ooh. I think scored uh 17 points in 16 minutes or something for the magic. Um, good. Speaking of Germany, good player. Well, also speaking of uh, foreign nationals who are doing okay. Uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, number two on your nba rank scorecard, Ooh, um, had... Uh, let me give you Nikola Jokic's line from tonight. Playing now. the Bulls, right? But playing the Bulls. The game went to double overtime. I'm sure he was halfway home by the time this game ended. <laughs> you think Jokic is doing okay? He played 18 minutes, scored 17 points, had six rebounds and four assists. Thank you for your work this evening.
2: Listen, if the guy would just win like a couple MVPs and a finals MVP, maybe we'd put him at the top spot. Oh, that we hey, listen, we deserve all the score, and it's going to come our way from Denver. That's all I'll say about that. Um Back and that to,
0: wraps up our that wraps up our NBA ranked discussion. Yes. Uh, <laughs>
2: back, back, back to, to Zion Williams. Yeah, real <laughs> quick, the headline for the Rockets: Jabari Smith Junior., who you know sizzled in the summer league during his brief little stint there. Twenty two points, nine rebounds, in twenty four minutes. Certainly, him uh playing up to top of the draft type of talent would be a, a massive development for well, the listen, Rock.
0: he went four or five on threes. Obviously, that's a yeah. hot night, but um, the shooting was the issue for him. Uh, he came out of college, known as a yeah. better shooter, then he didn't shoot it real well. He didn't do a lot well the first half of his rookie year, but...
2: Well, playing without a point guard and in yes. a circus of an atmosphere probably wasn't yes. the best for best for a teenage kid. There's definitely talent there. And obviously, there's definitely talent with Zion. And, you know, this is a case... To me, Z- the difference between Zion and Ben Simmons in the discussion is this. If Zion's on the floor, he is an all-NBA force without question. If Zion's healthy, I do think he can impact uh, a conference race. I mean, you look at last year. When he goes down, um, You know, uh, the week that he went down, um, the New Orleans Pelicans were tied for first place in the Western Conference with the with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, not at the exact moment he went down, but a couple games before. My point is they were they were, extru- you know, they were right there in the thick of things. And uh, you know, look, obviously the guy he efficiently puts up 26, 27 points per game, shooting better than sixty percent for the floor, like we've never seen. This kind of uh this kind of freak, and by freak, I mean athletic, not you know other situations. this kind of freak, just uh, like a guy who's this big, wide, really, this explosive and this skilled of a finisher, plus like he, you can you can point forward to talk about point center with him. he can pass the ball, and it's crazy. c j. McCollum was traded to New Orleans a year and a half ago. McCollum. Ingram and Zion have played together 172 minutes total that really, you know, regular season minutes and their numbers for those 172 minutes are off the charts, but the only 172 minutes from their hundred million dollar trio.
0: Well, here's the thing about Zion. He does look okay. People are saying he looks like he's in great shape, but I'm not sure I'm going to go that far, but he's out on the, on the court making plays. The guy, when he's on the court, is a playmaker. Um, One of the Mm -hmm. things the Pelicans did in the offseason, they won a recruiting battle for James Borrego, who had, I think, two or three different offers to come be an assistant. He took a year off after getting let go as a coach of the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, They hired him in New Orleans to be their offensive coordinator. Um, I think he's got an associate head coach title, but basically he's a lead assistant. He's getting paid quite a bit of money to be the offensive coordinator. And one of the things that they looked at when they studied was that when Zion played center, um, even though that was a relatively small amount of minutes that they dominated in those minutes in his career. Now this is the thing about Zion. Like you remember two years ago um, when Stan Van Gundy was his coach, was that three years ago, two years ago, Um, Stan Stan played him a point guard. Yeah, and he was affected. Point Zion
1: was the, yeah. the all the rage.
0: So now look, Jonas Valanciunas is your starting center. They're not starting him at center, but he's getting. He's the plan is for him to get center minutes set center. Now the the big challenge for the Pelicans is they don't shoot the ball well at the best of times. They're one of the worst half court um, shooting teams in the league. And now Trey Murphy is down. Right. Was it eight to twelve weeks with the knee injury?
2: yeah, it's a meniscus. Um, and and so he'll be out for a while. And, and he is a guy who is a six foot nine shooter who, you know, it's, it's a very unfortunate injury because he's so their
0: their first round pick, um their lottery pick. I think he was in the lottery, Jordan Hawkins out of Connecticut. He is a good three point shooter, and he actually had. Um, hit some threes in this game tonight. I mean, it was a, it was a 40 33-point game. I, I don't know what was happening, but I don't know how much they can count on minutes from him. But I mean, the one thing is, obviously, when Zion's out there, you're not stretching the floor. And so they don't really have people to stretch the floor. So that's one of the questions is, can they find floor stretching, floor spacing um, that makes the Zion at center lineup as potent as it can be?
2: I mean, when when Murphy's back, if he can get back healthy, I think if you're throwing out Murphy, Ingram, CJ McCollum, and then you know we can talk about who else is out there. Like, oh, there's well, Herb sh-
0: Jones is not a shooter, and no. Zion's not a shooter. Alan Shunis isn't a shooter, so three of their five best players can't shoot. And, and
2: then it gets tough because if Zion's playing center, <laughs> unless you're just going to lean all offense. Like, probably have to have Herb Jones out there to help out on the defensive end to, right. to to try to clean up as many messes as possible. So, yeah, that that's interesting. I just, you know, it's crazy how little Zion has played in his career. And you can't count on him playing a lot because, you know, I just think physics are working against him with that body. He, they say he's worked harder than he ever has before. Uh, During the offseason, hopefully that uh, that allows him to hold up, because if he plays 60 plus games and, you know, Ingram's also had durability issues, if those guys can stay relatively healthy, the Pelicans can can be a bit of a problem in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, the the Zion puzzle is a hard
1: one to put together on a lot of fronts. Obviously. The most notable one is, as you guys have talked about a bunch, the fact that he has not been able to stay on the court, and he is a lot like Derrick Rose and some of these other guys that is so incredibly athletic and puts so much torque on his body that he hasn't been able to stay on the court. Hopefully, that changes because we all agree when Zion's out there, he's very fun to watch, and the Pelicans are a lot more fun to watch. Hopefully, like you said, McMahon, it is incredible in the entire time they've been there; they haven't had 200 minutes on the court together. It's not even 10 games of rotation stuff. Yeah. So, hopefully, we get to see that. Look for an extended period of time. But then you have the on court fit part. And if you try to play Zion at center, your defense is going to stink, in my opinion. And I don't think you're going to be good enough to win then. So then you have to try to find the right kind of defensive pieces to fit around him. And if you have him out there with Brandon Ingram and you have him out there with CJ McCollum, all of a sudden, then it gets very hard to build a functioning defense. That's why Trey Murphy is such an important piece for them because he's a guy that can really be a true two way threat for them on the wing, both in terms of his shooting they don't have a lot of, and the ability to guard at the other end. Like to play Herb Jones, terrific defensive player, not a great shooter. Jonas Valanciunas, excellent interior scorer, but is a bit of an awkward fit inside with Zion, and he's not a great defensive player either. So they have a lot of stuff to sort out. And, I mean, a couple weeks ago we talked about the Thunder losing last year with Chad Holmgren and having to figure out how everything fits. We're in year five with Zion with the Pelicans, and we still don't really know exactly the right kind of guys to fit around him. Because the Pelicans haven't had nearly enough time with him on the court right. to find the right fits and you know, truly figure out do he and Brandon Inger make sense to pair together long term? What are the what are the guys you want to really use these draft picks they've accumulated to go get to put around him to put him in the best position to succeed? Cause they haven't had a 45 or 50 game stretch with their team healthy to see what it looks like. So hopefully, if nothing else, we get to see that this year and sort of get. To finally have a referendum on what this group can be. And then they could start to figure out what the next step should be after that.
2: Yeah. And as far as the Zion Center idea, I, I would think they're saying, hey, this is kind of our changeup uh, that, you know, something you're trying to throw out there against second units. Like, you're not trying to. I'd, Maybe they're thinking they close games with that. I'd be surprised. I think Larry Nance Jr. You know, when they've been another guy that can never stay on the court too as good as he is, really good player. Right. I I would think he's probably closing games uh, as he was last year when he was healthy. But listen, there's some star power on that roster. If, If Zion's healthy, they're you know that's that's big time star power, and they do have a lot of pieces. They've got a lot of pieces, and they've got assets. If they're in the thick of things, they want to be aggressive before the trade deadline.
0: CJ McCollum had a really great shooting game tonight. And, you know, he played last year with a um with that wrist injury all you know for a for a big chunk of the season. So injury news, at least on that front, is um is good. And and I'll say this about Zion. When the guy steps on the court, he starts making plays. He is an absolute grade A playmaker and Best interior score since Shaq. He threw in. He threw in. You know, the other night I think they played the Magic. He threw in two or three shots out of the paint where you're just like, how did that go in there? How did he even get it up on the on the on the rim, much less go in?
2: Uh, that that that's the the thing about Zion is he's six six. You know, hopefully only two eighty five, but like obviously ridiculous explosiveness. Like he can. You know, go up in traffic and just rip the rim off, but like his touch for a guy that size and that explosive is really impressive. Trivia question: Oh, here when we go.
0: was the last European team to beat uh, an NBA team?
1: I uh, it wasn't beat? Fenner I'm guessing, I'm guessing it wasn't Fenerbahce. To we all uh, Madrid beat the Nets?
2: over the Mavericks last week, or was that yeah,
0: this 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 week? <laughs> he did say,
2: "I'll give Bontemps." He said, "On in America."
0: Okay, All
2: right. and I actually I just, looked up. They also beat. Um, they also beat OKC, but that was in Seville. Um, the last overseas team was the Adelaide 36ers, who spanked the Suns in Phoenix last year. When the Suns actually put in their starters in the third quarter, trying to make a little run of the thing.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I and forgot I, about I, that.
2: The Sixers in a. I met him in uh, Oklahoma city to do a little story and they got, <laughs> they got the doors blown off of that night. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, Zion and, um, and Ben Simmons, two guys who have been um, in the NBA load management zone in recent years and always a favorite topic. But um temps, you wrote a story that published on Wednesday after um, Joe Dumars, who's, He's got a very long title: Executive Vice President, and Head of Basketball Operations. But he's basically
2: well, one of the grand poobas. The in game,
0: the, the game czar. He
1: like yeah. It's it's Adam Silver. It's Mark Tatum, and then there's Joe Dumars. That's the that's the hierarchy. There's a couple guys on the Joe Dumars level, but Joe Dumars is on the on that level at the very top of the food chain in the NBA's. Okay. Circle at Olympic Tower.
0: He held a press conference, a news conference on Wednesday. And I think it's important to point this out before you tell us what he said. Mm-hmm. This wasn't you saying, I've got some questions for Joe Dumar's NBA. Could I ask him? Because that's what sometimes happens with reporters. You know, um, I'm working on a story right now, and I needed quotes in the last 10 days from Mark Tatum. I asked for the quotes. Mark Tatum responded to me. This was the NBA inviting media to ask Joe Dumars questions. Keep that in mind. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, last week, the NBA set up this call with a few reporters from various outlets, including ESPN, uh, with Joe Dumars and Evan Wash. Evan's the head of the NBA strategy You said group. last he,
0: week. It's, it was yesterday. It was no, Wednesday. I said
1: they set it up last week. It okay. was yesterday. But All last right, okay. week, they reached out about it. Evan Wash is the guy who came up with the in-season tournament and the play-in games, that kind of stuff. The guy LeBron tried to get
2: fired a few years ago. The
1: guy LeBron was unhappy with until he was happy with him. (laughs) But yeah, so the NBA sets up this call, get on the call. And the first six minutes of the call on Wednesday was Joe Dumars giving a, I would call it an impassioned speech about how the NBA needs to get back to everyone involved treating the season like an 82-game season, not a 50-game season not a 60-game season, an 82-game season. That was how he put it. Hmm. And also went on a uh, a bit of a rant about the All-Star game, saying that the NBA needs to get players back to really caring about the All-Star game again. Now, as our host, Brian Windhorst, would say, why would he do that? Well, (laughs) why would he do that? Because the NBA is clearly somewhere between very concerned and terrified about their upcoming negotiations for their new national television deal in concert with the fact that their RSN deals across the country are all over the place as that market is sorting itself out. And 16 of the 30 teams in the league are with Bally's properties, including in McMahonstown and Dallas, including in Bryanstown and Cleveland. And it's unclear where that is all going to go over the next few months. So. Yes, there was a lot of talk in other places, including by some of our pals, about how this was a referendum on load management, which we can get into if we want. I would say the main takeaway from this was the NBA has spent a long time pretending that this wasn't a thing that they cared about until the exact moment when it potentially impacted their wallets. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, Adam Silver last month at the Board of Governors meetings and Joe Dumars with a sledgehammer in this call that the league set up on Wednesday is making it extraordinarily clear that the days of not playing and taking days off are over. And we're going to come in and we're going to find teams and we're going to do all this stuff because we got to have people playing in games again. And I will just say, as we say all the time on the pod, actions over words. Now I'll be very curious to see this year as it plays out, how the teams handle this. And if the league is really going to come in and start levying Massive fines on teams for having guys sit for rest.
2: So we will see what happens. It wasn't a sledgehammer; it was a calculator. He had all the science, baby, all the data. <laughs> they Well, hold on. We just came to this startling realization. And look, I do think there's probably something to it. Like, I mean the 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 king of load management, Kawhi Leonard, gets hurt more than anybody. It can't be helping too much. You know, I i mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of nerds out there who can tell me the science on this, that, but it, it has gotten, it's gotten to be silly. And like, look, I get Luca's workload, but like, dude, Luca at 22 and 23 wasn't able to play back, back to backs. Like, come on, man. Like, at a certain point, the product, the quality of the product does matter. And I know they're doing it for money. Right. But just for the fans, like I do feel bad for fans. Oh, hey, this superstar is coming to my town. I, I'm going to buy tickets. You know, I'm going to save up. My my kid's favorite player. I'm going to, you know, it's a big expense. But man, we're, I'm going to take my boy to see, you know, so and so. Oh, did you check the schedule? Whoops, it's a back to back. So and so is probably not playing. Like that is a crap product. So I don't give a a hey, if it's for selfish reasons, financial, you know, BS cool as long as like players start actually feeling the need to play on a somewhat regular basis
1: well and all two right. things on that real quick before you jump in brian so Brian's in northeast ohio last year the real nexus of this happened in a weekend in cleveland when on friday the warriors sat all of their players in a game against the Cavs, but on saturday chris middleton and john stedekupo sat in a game against the Cavs, all for rest on back-to-back nights in cleveland
2: and by the way, I don't. I think Luca's missed two straight uh, games in Cleveland. You know, annual trips to right. Cleveland happens. To Kyrie, big- Kyrie, loves,
0: <laughs>
2: Kyrie, Kyrie loves. Kyrie loves skipping Cleveland. games. Yeah, I think he's, he's
1: played twice in, since yeah. twenty sixteen or whatever. And one 17. of them is the
2: game. One of them is game. Gordon Hayward got hurt in. Um, so, I again. Like the reasons are pretty transparent that the league suddenly cares so much about this, but the simple fact is, it had gotten way, way, way. Out yeah, of
0: wasn't place. it Slovenian Heritage Night Slovenian, last yeah. year? No, no, no.
2: That was uh, that was actually in Dallas, but like I said, in in Cleveland, it is the biggest Slovenian population in the U.S., so it's always maybe right. it was Slovenian pop, uh, Heritage Night there. They they had I love uh, Slovenia Night. In Dallas, when they tanked against the Bulls, yes,
1: about- that was the one Brian was thinking of. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. so look, obviously that was a that was a that was a pretty significant moment. There were several other games like that last year, and I agree with you. At the end of the day, if it does lead to a better product, and if guys are playing more, I think that's great. The only other thing I was going to add: this is about the teams. This is a team-driven yes. thing with teams sitting guys. And that is it's a, a there's a, a culture of caution that has been built into the league where everyone's erring on the side of caution when it comes to playing guys in games. I don't think players do not want to play in games. I don't think that's ever been the thing. I think I've, I think you're right the in the vast, vast majority, sure, right. the vast majority of circumstances. This is a team driven thing. And so if the NBA is going to change this again, we will see what they do with the fines and how this stuff goes. But it it is a team it's a team-created problem, and mm-hmm. it's going to have to be a team-created solution to fix it.
2: Well, and the NBA right, trying co- to do their part by obviously lightening up on back-to-backs and four and five and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, if you play 82, it's never going to be perfect. You know, there's you've heard people lobby to, to slice a schedule down to 66 or whatever, but yeah.
0: Okay, a couple things. One, I don't think the NBA is terrified.
1: I said somewhere between. I said somewhere between. I was having a little fun. All right, fine. But
0: Joe Dumars did kind of admit that this was being- He didn't
1: didn't kind of admit. He said, yes, the TV deal is part of this. I could find the exact quote, but he was asked by it by Sam Amick from The Athletic, and he admitted that was part of the calculus.
0: Okay. I do think part of it is to have a better situation with people who attend games, but I think that's very secondarily compared to the TV product. I think the NBA has not cared that much about their ticket holders or as much as they used to for quite some time now. So uh, I think it's TV based, mm-hmm. N- you know, the other thing and the piece of nuance, when Adam Silver discussed this, at the board of governors meeting a month ago, or give or take whatever it was, he said the data on load management was inconclusive or not, you know, clear Joe Dumars said the data shows it doesn't work.
2: Listen, I, and, yeah. It ain't been any load management by the scientists. They've been working hard since, since Adam <laughs> Silver's press conference. Again, yeah, I know, I
1: know this has been, I know this has been taken certain ways by other places. I, I think Joe Dumars was saying the same thing as Adam Silver, okay, which is that but my, you can't, you can't guarantee guys are going to play more by resting them. I think was okay. what both they were saying.
0: But I will say this, the, the fact that the player participation program, PPP program exists, regardless of how Adam or Joe says it, the fact That's that right. it was created is an admission that load management, A, doesn't work and B, is not what the league wants. Yeah. And, good. and the other no thing, thing is, percentage. shortly after, right, shortly after they announced it, there was like a bunch of people looked at the policy and said, here's seven different ways that teams can still get around it.
2: Yeah, Like Kawhi is going to be exempt from it basically because right. of pre existing injury history, right? So, we're the still, we're not saying we're nobody is saying like if a guy is at serious risk and it's obvious because uh you know of legitimate injuries or he's coming back off surgery, like no one's saying be irresponsible. It's just like, dude, the, the erring on the side of caution has gone way too far. Yep. To that it's an entertainment yep. business
0: because for years. As the, as the teams pushed the envelope and players, but mostly teams pushed the envelope more and more and more, there was no pushback.
1: Yeah. Nope. Not one bit. So, and part so of it now is there's
2: many nerds in the media. Well.
1: No, this is not true. about nerds in the media. No, there's this, a lot of
2: nerds in the media that were waving their pom-poms for freaking load management. Yes, sir. That, that,
1: okay. I would say two things are true. Yes, that is true. It's also not why teams were doing it.
2: No, that's, that's, awesome. that's why there wasn't pushback because nerds were.
1: No, there wasn't. No, know, there, were there wasn't.
2: Nerds and pom poms. There country. wasn't. There wasn't
1: pushback now we because got the PVP. Com-
2: thank God, we got to get to the bottom of something. Where's the fine money going? Because I got a solution here. Where's the fine money going?
1: I don't. It's going where the no rest of the fine money says, is going. I'm assuming. <laughs> no what what says, is your solution?
2: You, give to the damn fans. Here's the deal. The <laughs> team gets fined. Okay, he sounds like a, he sounds like a little cannon. What, what
1: are we doing This is going all, off the rails. It, there's right, no like ahead.
2: ticket stubs anymore, right? It's all it's all on the phone, it's all electronic. So g- put that money right back in the fans' phones, damn it. Put it on the blockchain, divvy it up, divvy it up, put it maybe. in the top
1: shot. One of Brian's maybe. other one of the other things Brian's discovered, hey, like Chet and Victor him, both. Give
2: like a voucher for the concession stands or, or another ticket or a discount. Come on, baby.
1: Like, man, you talked right over one of the great lines in the history of the pod. Uh, the reason, the reason that, uh, the reason that there wasn't pushback in the past was because Adam Silver didn't care enough for there to be pushback in the past. And now he cares. That's, that's what happened. He cares and the league cares. So now they're coming after everybody. So again, we will see what their actions are. Their words have certainly been interesting for the last month, but we'll see starting on the 24th.
0: Well, Joe, Dumars, they're actually going to follow through on it. Joe Dumars is the leading edge on NBA fines. He's obviously there's certain fines that end up on Adam Silver's desk or Mark Tatum's desk. But Joe Dumars is the guy that basically is going to decide the way fines go. And the a large part of his is.
1: job is to, is to divvy, yeah. divvy out punishment.
0: And so if he's talking tough in October, we'll see. Cause you know, there's also the concept that one of the things that people said was these teams could just take the fines, you know? What does Steve Ballmer care if he gets fined 100 grand here and 250 there if he's protecting Kawhi Leonard, who he's got several hundred million dollars in? So we'll see. It was an interesting the, the, interesting interview. You expect it just to sort of be a benign preseason check in. And, and I mean, NXT I thought,
1: je, I, je, I mean, when the league sets up something like this, you sort of expect them to have some sort of a, a thing they're going to push. I thought it was going to be about the way teams more or less stood firm on the Damian Lillard trade request and the James Harden trade request and did not just sort of give in on that. That's the kind of thing the league usually kind of puffs its chest out about. And so I thought it would be about that in the in-season tournament. And instead, it was very clear right from the jump, this was going to be about, you know, we're getting the league back to where it was when Joe Dumars was a player. And look, if this leads to guys all playing more games, that would be great. As someone who likes to watch basketball, that would be great.
2: More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, one guy who's played two games in his NBA career, not even official games, two preseason games, Chet Holmgren, Oklahoma City Thunder. It was probably the most fun I've ever had at a preseason game, Monday night in Oklahoma City, when I watched Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama go up against each other. And in their own way, they went absolutely chest to chest with each other. They weren't really trying to show each other up, although they both kind of flexed on the other one. Not kind
2: um, Not yeah. kind they both totally flexed on the other one
0: okay definitely victor did he flexed on chet it was so incredibly enjoyable to watch those two guys play i have had limited expectations for them because various reasons and they were just terrific and then chet holmgren played victor's playing his second preseason game on friday night i don't remember who it's against but uh chet uh so anyway the first in the first half of that game on monday night i know it's days old now chet had 19 and 6 and victor had 18 like three rebounds a block and two steals and then victor played a few minutes in the second half chet didn't they both ended up with i think 20 points or something like that anyway to play your first half of nba basketball and score 20 points and not like take 22 shots like it was terrific to watch um I don't think that the Spurs are really – this is what Popovich said. He's not really coaching Victor much offensively right now. Um, uh, heated Spurs, by the way, on Friday, Jackson points out. Thank you, Jackson. Um, Popovich isn't really coaching Victor offensively. They're focusing more their instruction defensively. They're kind of letting him go. So he was kind of freelancing a little bit. He was He was leaking out, trying to get leak-out baskets. Okay, you can do that every now and then. My guess is they may want him to defensive rebound a little bit. That may be something that they'd like to see. <laughs> Chet was a little bit more focused on defensive rebounding, but um what I loved about this game was that the two of them were stalking each other. Oh they, yeah. They didn't guard each other. They didn't guard each other 2 years ago when they played in the Big Yule 19 game, but they have been eyeing each other and moving around each other for years now. And this is potentially the first head-to-head matchup in the NBA of many consequential matchups. And I'm telling you, there was a twinkle in the old Hall of Famer's eye over on that Spurs bench. Uh-oh. Watching oh, Victor. There was.
1: Hey, Popovich he, was in a he, he, great he mood. baby. There was a twinkle. There was Popovich, a twinkle in your eye watching your discoveries right. play each other.
0: I, this, don't say discoveries. Like, <laughs> but I will say this. I've been with Popovich a lot of times when he's been in no mood. He was in a great
2: mood. Oh, on Monday. Nice. Uh, dude, and- some of the things Victor does, like the guy is seven foot whatever, drives, spin move, and then freaking a lefty scoop up off the glass in traffic. Are you kidding me? We've never seen anybody that size do something like that. How about one of the uh, the transition dunks he had was after he was guarding – at the top of the arc, and he helps on a drive. This man had a foot that was about a foot inside the three-point arc. The other foot was like a few inches above the free throw line. Swiped, knocked the ball loose. Three seconds later, he, he's dunking it on the other end. Like He does things we've not seen before on a basketball court. And honestly, what's crazy, I was more impressed with Chet in that game. And and by the I'm, way, Chet, Chet tonight,
0: the, the Thunder played in Montreal. It was really a showcase homecoming for Lou Dort, and he had 24 points. He had a great game. But Chet in Montreal tonight, 21 minutes, 16 points, three blocks, a wow. steal, four rebounds. He wasn't as efficient shooting the ball. He was 4 of 11, but got to the line seven times, made all seven.
2: He's a prospect because he is going to be an elite rim protector. And like if, you know, when I was talking to people in summer league, around the league, coaches and scouts and whatnot, the thing you heard was like, he's going to be an impact defender right away. Don't expect too much offensively. He's interesting offensively. You know, he's a seven-foot floor spacer who I don't want to see him dribbling too much, but he can definitely attack closeouts and, and make some things happen, you know. Whether it's the right, match I think or he's right a more pro.
0: I think he's a more proficient ball handler than Victor. In fact, when they do start agree. coaching Victor on offense, they're going to have to tell Victor to stop dribbling because maybe he'll get there. Um, and certainly, he did a lot in Europe last year, but his handle is not ready.
2: I think they both for- need to be and on a an half court three dribble max. Well,
1: this goes back to Victor's press conference here in New York in June before the draft when he said, quote, no one's ever going to stop me from dribbling the ball up the court and shooting a three. This is going to be, I think, the very interesting push and pull coaching Victor and having Victor as, you know, the Victor project as it unfolds. Victor wants to be a shooting guard. He wants to float around the perimeter and shoot threes and come off screens and leak out and that that's what he wants to do he doesn't really want to play I, I would i disagree with
0: that he will post he posted quite a bit in france yeah th- he yeah posted he posted four or five he, times yes he did and they're putting small they're putting smaller guys on him i
2: was gonna yes, say he'll, post. And they, and he'll take him down there i yes I, I i like playing him with zach collins right now um oh yeah I like, no, like Dak be- Collins as a player if you can stay healthy. He's been a, a nice fine from for the, not fine, but a nice reclamation project for the Spurs. Like he was totally you know, or he had the injury problems, he was a really good player in Portland. But I I do like being able to play Victor at the four. And you know, because like look, if you wanna if you want to put the five on him then he's going to have the advantage in terms of quickness and all that kind of thing. But if you want to put like fours on him, he will go down there and basically stick his hand McMahon, up. man so uh, we'll
0: see what happens with the heat. The thunder had twos and threes on him.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. And, I think that's going to be
1: the norm. It's a lot Mark, like, no, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Mark Dagenault was like, well, look, we didn't game plan for him. Okay. Whatever. They didn't just say, go out there, pick a man guys. They put,
2: <laughs> right.
0: they, they, they put, you know, they put wings on him. Yeah. And yeah. so well,
1: they were, they were only playing wings with Chet to be at least to be fair to them. They put basically their true. biggest wing on him. But look, I think, you know, you spent your whole basketball life at basically Big Man watching Dirk, right? And at the beginning of Dirk's career in particular, he was often, he was playing a three a lot. Yeah. And he was guarded by wings a lot. And I think early on, especially, I think Victor's definitely going to be guarded by wings a lot. And, you know, he and look, the thing I liked the most about his game was when he would rush down because he's so fast and get these early seals right at the basket. Yep. And you could just fling the ball down to him. Like he could get maybe eight baskets a game if he just hustles down, seals, catches and lays it in because he's so big. Like you could throw it 50 feet and he could just right. just throw pull it, it out of the air. Yeah. So like I that's what I, I just want to see him do more of that. Like obviously he's inc- he's an incredible talent. You mentioned that. That one play when he drove and spun in the lane and flipped it up, like I went back and replayed that twice, like that was ridiculous. He had another play where Jalen Williams got by him and got to the oh. rim and wasn't ready for him. Like he just sort of laid it up, thinking he had an easy bucket, and Victor came in and swatted
2: it away. Very yeah, impressive memo, play. Mimo to NBA players, if you get a step on Vic, you better dunk, better but dunk it. You don't want to lay it up with him anywhere near the
1: play. Maybe the most interesting thing of this whole preseason for any team so far, though is Chet Holmgren is playing exclusively, basically, at center. And I did not think the Thunder were going to do that. And they are running with their their five. They started their five guys today, Dort, Giddy, Shea, Jalen Williams, and Chet. And if Chet can hold up at center and can be an impact defender at the rim and stay on the court, all of a sudden, right away, the Thunder, their ceiling starts to shoot up even more than it already was because that opens up a ton of stuff for them. So
0: the Thunder, one of the things that they absolutely lacked last year was any sort of offensive presence at the rim. Um, Offensive
1: or defensive, you could argue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so in the first half of this game, Jalen Williams ran a lob play to Holmgren, who uh, the best I can way I can describe it, he spiked it through the rim because he was so high above the rim that he just like just threw the ball straight down. and you know, they they had like like a dozen or, or so lob dunks all of last season, the whole team. Yeah. And, and, you know, two things about this. One, after the game, Chet said they've been working on those plays so hard in practice. And, you know, they mess them up a lot. And so for them to actually get the first opportunity in a game to do it and then actually execute it perfectly was really rewarding. Secondly, I'm thinking about the Thunder 2022 draft class, which has the potential to be, franchise altering because Man. that night they get chet holmgren at two if they had the first pick they would have taken chet holmgren yeah they wanted him really bad they get Jalen, which, which
1: by the way i know paolo won rookie of the year last year if chet stays healthy
2: that was the right pick yeah and and hey look it's gonna be a rookie of the year race this year and perhaps a rivalry but certain, be. So the other is. thing i'll
0: say so uh, osman jang is also in the lottery he hasn't Done much. He was injured a lot of last year. And he was like part of their third string. And I didn't see what he if he played tonight. Um
2: he's he's a developmental guy, but Jalen Williams 12 was rookie the year runner up and is is a stud. By the way, Jalen Williamson is I was gonna say that's
0: that's what I was gonna say. So Jalen Williams, the the center, Jay uh will, as they say. By the way, uh Osmond Jay had a good game tonight. He had 14 points off the bench. Anyway, um He's a bona fide rotation player that they got yeah. in the second round. For so, sure. um, we'll see what Osmond Jang turns into. But like, you're looking at and the at that Jalen J J Dub Jalen Williams the wing and and Chet Holmgren like holy
2: Moses! I think you've and, got the J Wills and J Dubs swapped.
1: Uh, I tried Jay to Will call is, them
2: J1 and J2. Oh, that, you guys yelled at me. We can't assign them because we're too dumb to remember. J would have been fine with the wing. <laughs> J-Dub
0: is the wing. J-Will is the big man. Although they're almost the same height, <laughs> to be honest with you. And if you want a mnemonic device, to remember, you know what a harmonic device is?
2: Okay, you're right. I'm wrong. My bad. Thank man. you.
0: Uh, if you want a mnemonic device, when you think of J-Will, the two L's in Will, I think of is t- high height even though I go again he's not that much bigger than the other Jalen but one more thing before I go the thing that gets me excited about Holmgren and Victor is that they are you both Are be crazy they are both extremely competitive yes want to kill
2: each them. other too
0: and they <laughs> want and and they and they do it. They're not petty
2: yet. <laughs> oh, I would no. I'm but, not sure I'd go
1: that far. There was there was a little bit of pettiness on the old socials. We shall have McMahon weigh in on that. He's the that
0: one in true. charge that, of petty. That, on I the pod. forgot about the social. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, you know what? I, ta- there, I do take it back. There are I
2: petty tendencies it. developing. Listen, they're both <laughs> Nike guys. They're both Nike guys, which is a bit unfortunate because the last really petty rookie of the year race, remember, was Donovan Mitchell. Oh I mean, yes, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, rookie, question mark, Adidas hoodies and all that. So we won't get like this. The 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 shoe companies won't get involved because they're both Nike guys. But there's pe- there's pettiness. And listen, they both like they don't confuse skinny and soft. Like one does not necessarily mean they're the other. Uh, Chet in particular ain't soft.
1: He's got like, mean I'm street.
2: I, I'm I'm texting scouts around the league this week. I'm I'm basically saying like. Dude, like I'm pretty fired up about Chet. Like, am I too excited here? Nobody tried to cool me off. Nobody tried to tell me, like, calm down. It was, there's a lot of like, this dude is skilled and he is tough and it's a hell of a fit. Like, you know, there's some OKC and their G League teams, OKC Blues. I'm on some OKC Blue shoes right now, baby. This this is a spot. (laughs) It's all about confidence. I am. confident. Got to just end the pod right there. No, that's the end. That's that the end. The City Thunder is going to be a force <laughs> to be reckoned with. And I, how much of a force right now? We'll see. And I, I don't want to get too excited, calling them a contender right now. That that's. But like they are coming soon. Look, if if, <laughs> if Ch- you're unbelievable,
1: if Chad Holmgren is healthy right. this year. And and plays the way he's capable of. I think that the Thunder will be bona fide championship contenders next season. Don't know if they'll win. They're not saying they're going to win the title next season, but they're you are they're going to go into next season as a team that's expected to be in the top four of the West if well, and, if he and, develops that way.
2: And who knows what other assets? Like who knows what else they'll have? They could have the fifth overall pick in the draft next year coming from Houston. That pick is top yep. Four protected. Yep. I got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. And Presti had one of his famous press conferences uh, before media day. And I think this thing, la- I think it just ended like a few <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously he's asked about, in, in, in so many words, basically like, dude, you know, why didn't you like do anything major? Why don't you take a big swing this summer when they had a bunch of cap space? Obviously they got all the assets, so on and so forth. And basically he he's he took a long time to say, fellas, let it breathe. We want to see how this group fits together, and then we'll figure out what right. we need to enhance that.
0: They they but, have a one. They have a one.
2: They have a one. I,
0: I don't mean a point guard. I mean they've got a number one player. Yeah. They might have a two and three already. We'll see. They might. They very well. And I'll might. say and I'll say this about Sam Presty He is known to sometimes give creative answers to dodge the question and he's very eloquent but don't say that Sam Presti is afraid to make a major swing remember the man traded for oh, Paul George
2: yeah no he ain't, he ain't scared so
0: so it's it's not it's not that he's you know petting his draft picks and saying oh I want to keep them he'll he'll when he feels the need to do it he'll do it
1: but well, he, yeah, I and look, he, they he they came it. into this they came into this season. They needed to have answers about what works. Like they needed to know, and they I mean they don't know off two preseason games. But like, like I said before, to me, probably the single most important thing that's happened in the NBA this preseason is Chad Holmgren is playing center basically exclusively, and they're going with this lineup because yeah. if that works and he can be a center full time for the Thunder, that gives them. So many more options going right. forward for what they can do, because then it gives them the ability to have all those other guys on the court. It means they can have Chet play up and not have to play a center next to him. Like it, just, it opens up a ton of stuff. But in July and August, they didn't know, I don't think necessarily, that that was going to work. And they don't know how these guys are going to fit. I also think, like we've talked about before, they don't know if Shea and Josh Giddy are a great fit long term. Like that's another thing they have to sort. There's a lot of stuff to sort out, which is why it's prudent to let this marinate. Like you said, McMahon, let it, let this go for the year, see where it goes. And then next summer, you might have a top 10 draft pick. You still have a ton of cap space. You still have a bazillion young players that you could put in trade. You still have a, a trillion draft picks in the future. It's not like their window is closing. Their window is only opening.
2: Their window is opening has a chance to be open for a good, good stretch. And the thing about it, like, they might not need to win to your point. They might have guys who can become, you know, the the big three on a championship caliber team on a contender. But, like, you look at the team that just won the championship. I know we've already forgotten that the Denver Nuggets are the reigning NBA champions. <laughs> um, I haven't. As, but, like, they they had two massive impact trades made over the last few years. Neither were for stars you know Aaron Gordon has fit per like you know he had at one point was considered star potential honestly last year i thought he could have been an all-star but he's he's not like the focal point of the offense he's just a phenomenal fit in denver Contavious caldwell pope is like you're you're perfect i think quintessential i don't know if i'm using that word correctly but it sounds like a really good word you're quintessential three and d role player did it is that the correct use of that i think it is uh, yeah, it's I'll it look applies. it up later. It Somebody applies, it applies. It, it applies. applies. I got to get all vocab. I told you boys this my whole facetious, the only word in the English language, you use all the vowels in order. Somebody uh, pointed out that there's a word called abstemious, and it means you basically don't eat or drink too much. I'm like, well, how the hell am I supposed to know that word, anyways? But my point is, the nuggets is when he frozen, or is he just looking at me like a minute?
1: <laughs> he might be frozen,
2: I think he is frozen. Oh, man.
1: I wish the well, people at home I wish the people at home could experience what we're experiencing right now, which is Brian just blankly
2: staring at the camera going, my God, McMahon really just did that. <laughs> I'll wrap my point out by saying, like, maybe this thing, maybe the, the the pieces to get this thing to full-blown contender status aren't stars and they're guys who are just quality starters that are fits, or quality starter. And, hey, give me a year to figure it out. Here comes here, Wendy. Here he comes. Yeah, I mean, you know, look,
1: it's uh, Wendy. I it's asked, a pretty so, good situation are in Oklahoma City.
2: I said, are you frozen or are you just looking at me like I'm an idiot? <laughs> <clears throat>
0: um, all right. Well, with confidence, <laughs> I say thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Bond Temps. Thank you to Jackson. And as always, thank you to McMahon. We'll talk to you soon.
2: I'm glad Wendy came back to wrap this up. He doesn't trust us to handle like the ins and outs and the smooth host type of stuff. No, it's
1: because he's the he's
2: the boss. We're just are we're you not going to give your sign off? No, I was just about to say it. gracias. He was winding up to it. Gracias, y a Dios amigos.